Hey, fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. Today, I have an honored guest. Uh, I saw that you really enjoyed the episode with Chris Edwards from uh, Tennis Warehouse. I mean, Tennis Warehouse fame. They've been there a long time. Also, this guy has been there ages. And you have to tell me the story, how you got there and, and how long it's been. Troy Lara, you know him from Tennis Warehouse and their, their great reviews and their team that they've been built up there for content over the years. How are you today, Troy? Doing pretty good. Got the uh, the coffee flowing over here. It's... Uh early or not too early but in the morning time over here and uh i would say sunny california but it was a little uh, a little rainy actually on the way to work this morning so cool nice and you put some rackets on the wall there that we can also talk about later on uh, but before we get into that like so how did you start at tennis where what, what did you do before how did that come into your path yeah so uh it's been uh it was i hit my 15 year mark here at tennis warehouse um It'll be 16 coming up soon, actually, in June. Oh, wow. But uh, the way I started here was uh, it was pretty much like a college job at the time. So I was uh, going to junior college in the local area, tennis warehouses in San Luis Obispo. And uh, pretty much my plan was to try to transfer from the, the local junior college about 30 miles away from SLO into Cal Poly SLO. So that was kind of my, my plan. And uh, once I kind of knew that I was going to get into Cal Poly, I was like, well, I'm going to be in, I'm going to be commuting and I'm going to be in San Luis Obispo every day. I might as well apply for the job. You know, uh, I was already shopping here as a customer and coming in the shop a lot to get my rackets restrung. And so um, kind of that summer that I knew I was going to transfer to Cal Poly for college, um, I applied, I got in and uh, kind of just been a great experience ever since then. Um, I started out doing uh, sort of the basics, customer service. I think within um, maybe like two or three days of being hired, uh, one of the supervisors already put me on the phone. I didn't even really know the sales system that well, but I knew tennis and the gear better than most of the the supervisors that were training me at the time. They're like, you're, I guess, a tennis nerd, a tennis nut, you know? And so I was like, all right. And so they kind of just let me go at it. And ever since then, it's it's been... Uh, it's been a pretty cool road, pretty cool path and career so far. Yeah, if you've stayed that long, I mean, it, it's a sign also for when talking to Chris that it, you have a great vibe. And I know it personally that you have a great team there and that I think it seems like a, a nice atmosphere to come into every day. Everybody seems to love tennis and racket sports. So uh, it's hard to ask for more if that's your passion in life. Uh, do you do anything else besides tennis? You have any crazy hobbies like Chris with the surfing or the, the cars? Um. I do enjoy cars. I'm not really a, a car collector or maybe enthusiast as much as Chris, but I do like that aspect. Um, not much into the, the surfing and getting out in the, in the water too often. Every now and then it's fun to get out. But um, I'd say probably my biggest stuff is like I'm just a big sports fan in general. So I watch a lot of sports. I kind of, you know, tennis is my main love and I can sit there and watch tennis channel all the time. But uh, I'm big into football that's what I grew up playing football baseball basketball the typical you know three uh, big American sports that's kind of what I grew up with um, and my dad was a coach he coached me in all sports growing up um, primarily football was his thing but he coached me in baseball and basketball so we can just hang out and watch sports we talk about football and you know he's got that coach's mentality so uh, my family in general is just a, a really athletic family, but no one in my family has ever done tennis until I started jumping into it. So, um, yeah, we kind of bond over sports and stuff like that. Um, 
I even like uh, some motor motocross, like uh, dirt bikes. I'm big into that because my brother-in-law got me into that. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the main thing, and uh, just very competitive family, kind of sports-wise. That's cool, right? It's nice to have something you can share and talk about, and also, you know, sports is something that kind of unites everyone, right? Whether you play it or just watch it, it's such such a positive uh, thing for for everyone, I think. So that's also why we love it and why we want to share it and spread it. So yeah, you were always kind of a racket nerd, a string nerd. I, I know you're a very good stringer. You still string quite a lot, right? That's what I heard. Um, yeah. So I don't string as much as I once did when I was like actually stringing customer rackets all the time and stuff. But pretty much all the uh, rackets that we get for playtesting, like our web editing team and all that, anytime there's a new frame that gets sent to us, it usually comes to my desk. I'll, I'm the one that usually puts the strings in it. You know, Brittany or Chris or Michelle will chime in and say, hey, what do you think about this tension? So I'll try to pick a tension or whatever that, that kind of suits the team best for that play test. And then we'll restring throughout, but yeah, I string the racket, stencil them, get them ready for the, the tabletop and the video and all that stuff, make it look pretty for, for, the, for YouTube and all that. But uh, yeah, I str- I'm the one that strings for pretty much our, our team. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, but you never had any interest in like stringing tournament stuff and things like that. Like It's definitely been an, uh, a thought in my mind or an interest. And I actually, um, do one of the like probably the biggest um like open level usta tournament in our area back oh, yeah close cool. to uh, actually where i live at so i do that uh, once a year it's always at the end of summer and i do that for like three days and i string for players um it's it's a decent tournament uh, like over the years like marco skirone has won it um Carew from uh my tennis hq's played it i think he made the finals one year so there's been some really good players to come through there awesome so man. i string string a lot for like the college players that are kind of like coming out of college to go on that like next level of the circuit yeah have, have you seen a big shift in the the strings and the tensions overall i mean something i think about sometimes is like for a while people talked about like you know everybody's dropping down below 45 pounds or whatever and I, that seems to have kind of gone back a bit or I don't see it as much anymore. Maybe I'm not on the, on the radar as much, but what are you noticing? Have you noticed any huge trend shifts over the years of, of stringing for these tournaments and also for T-Dub? I wouldn't say huge uh, trend shifts, but I do think some of these players are getting a little bit more experienced with their, with their taste for the string and also a little more educated. So I do see now that the some of these college players, these high-level players going into the pros are dropping tension a little bit on their poly if they're going full bed, you know, to get that, you know, a little bit more forgiveness from it. But also a lot of them also are kind of shifting to – I've seen more and more shifting to hybrids. And the ones that, you know, can't afford it or are willing to sacrifice a little bit are even doing the gut, even, wow. you know, at the, at the lower level, not necessarily your top – 50 or your top 25, you know, type of thing. So there was actually quite a few in the uh, last year's uh, Santa Maria Open that uh, I was actually doing some gut hybrids. Well, okay. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's a great feeling, you, you know, when you play a gut hybrid, it's a lot of people try it and they don't want to go back. Obviously, it's kind of cost prohibitive for some people because it is a pretty expensive string setup, especially if you break strings quickly, you know, you hit with a low spin, then that gut goes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Do you have like a favorite setup yourself, like a favorite string or racket you you tend to go back to or like me, like it's tough to, uh, with all the choice, you go a bit nuts? Yeah, I, I'd say like you, it's, it's tough to, const, you know, to find 
a home base or something that I truly love. Um, I, I would say that, you know, if it was more readily available or if I was maybe playing tournaments more frequently, I might actually be one of those guys that like would invest in the, in the gut. Cause I think it, it, like we did the play test a while back, but me and Chris did like the, uh, the Rafa versus the Roger string setup comparison. And um, I actually really, really enjoyed, I got used to that champion's choice and the gut and the mains and it's pretty amazing to feel and that extra like zip and power you get on your, your flat shots and the touch shots and all that type of thing. But um, I would say probably my one racket string setup that I kind of can go back to all the time. And it still feels really good to me is the E-Zone 98 extended just cause I've, I got used to that now for going on probably like four or five years. And uh, as long as I got something similar, I, I prefer hyper G, but something like hyper G probably like a 1.25 at about, you know, 45 to 50 pounds. I'm probably pretty happy. How was that transition? Cause I, I mean, I, I never tried the ESO 98 uh, XL, I think, or plus they call it Yonex. How did that trip? Cause you, you used to always play with pretty heavy frames. Like I think a lot of people know that about you if they're watching the tennis warehouse with videos and uh, you know, I'm, I think we have similar tastes always like six, one ninety five. I like that. I like a little bit of, of weight up the hoop uh, to increase the twist weight and stuff like that. I also a big fan of the E-Zone, uh, especially with some slight customization. Uh, but then obviously one-handed backhand feels a little bit tougher with the extended frame. Uh, but but did you feel like it was a big transition to go from standard to extended? Yeah, uh, it was something that I kind of wanted to do at the time. Um, I felt like I needed a little boost, that help on my serve. And just maybe even though it's a half an inch, just a little more court coverage and a little more, you know, um about five foot eight, you know, my, my build, you know, I don't have the, the long lankiness, like a, like a Medvedev or a Zverev or something. So anything that can kind of help me with that, you know, kind of like a Schwartzman, a, a shorter build. Um, I really wanted to try it. So I kind of like pushed myself into it and it took me, I'd say probably like a good six months to really like get to the point where like, I was like hitting on the court with the extended racket. And I was like, Oh, I don't think about it anymore. It feels natural. And that's when it kind of just, it grew on me, but uh, yeah, that racket, it's only 305 in stock form. I was coming from the stand the man racket, the version, the, the Nate, the first edition, I think it was the Navy with the orange uh, text, the first V core pro uh, 330. That was like my favorite for a while. So big jump in static weight, but the swing weight was there. So that kind of helped. And then once I got used to the racket, I kind of gradually weighted it up. So my E-zones are kind of like, a, I would probably say close to like 325, 330 unstrung because I tail weighted a lot and a little bit of weight, you know, addition throughout it. So I did beef it up to get that heavier spec. But at first I just kind of was getting used to that longer length. Yeah, I think it, you have to take a while with it. I think that's generally a good recommendation for anyone like changing or testing a racket, especially if you're you're a player who likes to compete and you're used to your setup, then it will take even longer to get used to a new setup. So you see when the pros test, often they, they go like, you know, one, two weeks, they play with one model and then they're like, oh, no, no, I can't play with this anymore. And then they go back or they go to something else. So it's it, it's a difficult thing because you have to give it time and the pros, they rarely have time. Uh, as rec players, we have we have some time for sure. But uh, so you got get pretty heavy with it, but a lot of weight in the in the handle. Do you add like silicone in the handle, or you, you add use lead tape, or just like leather heavy thick leather grip? So I've done a few things. Um, 
I know with the the first couple Ezo 98s I had, um, they were a couple of our test hitters, and they gave us a quarter grip size, and I wanted to build up the grip size anyway. So part of the weight was the shrink sleeve, kind of that plastic mold that you heat up. Yeah, and that yeah, actually adds quite a bit of weight. I think it's like, um, you know, maybe close to three-fourths of an ounce. I forget what that comes out to in grams. I think but it's I did, like if I did it's one a... of those. Yeah, if it's a full size, uh, sorry to interrupt, but it's a full size, it's in grams now, 15 grams. And if it's like a half size, it's half of that, like eight grams or something. So um, yeah. it, it's a significant addition of weight and, and you can use it to your advantage, but it's also tough if you already have a heavy racket and you want to, you know, increase the grip size only, yeah. you're going to add weight to it. Yeah? So it's good to know that. Yeah, so in this case, it was advantageous. I already wanted to add weight. And I wanted to build the grip. So I actually, on one of them, I put the shrink sleeve and I put a leather on top. So there was a bunch of a bunch of weight throughout the whole base of the handle. It wasn't necessarily concentrated at the bottom. Like a lot of times, if I don't want to build up the grip or I don't want to put a leather grip on, I'll just use uh, tungsten putty, um, which we sell here. We have our own T-dub little jar of putty. And it kind of you roll it up into a ball and you can kind of put it inside the two two little tubes inside the handle and then just... Uh, kind of secure it with a little bit of cotton and then put the trap door back on. Um, so that's another way I'll do it. But in this case, I was using the shrink sleeve with the leather and that gave me a lot of tail weight. <laughs> it made the racket like really headlight. I think it came out to like 12 points headlight at one point. So then I kind of like tweaked it a little bit and kind of added a little weight up top and dialed it in that way. Yeah, some people like that. I mean, I'm a fan of, of uh, pretty headlight rackets or at least that's what I grew up playing with like 6195 such as you was was probably one of my favorite rackets of all time and uh, still still is going relatively strong although a 95 square inch racket these days i find is is a bit tough i mean i, I wouldn't ask aslan karatsev about that but you know uh, for for us mere mortals it's it's quite difficult do you ever go back to the 6195 yeah. or like hit a bit every now and then yeah uh, we actually just got in some of those Wilson Pro Lab, the V13, the all black six ones. So I've hit that a couple of times since we, we brought it in stock. Um, me and a couple of the racket experts here on the phone lines, we kind of share one that we pass around. And that's that feels really good, really, really firm, really solid. But I also we were clearing out some uh, old boxes of storage and we came across some some of the old six one demos that we had from like 2012 and 2014. So I grabbed a few of those. Um, 16, 18, and 18, 20. I prefer the 18, 20, but uh, yeah, every now and then I'll, I'll take it for a little uh, classic uh, test drive. Um, like uh, like former playtester Granville would say, it's kind of like kissing an, kissing an ex-girlfriend or an old girlfriend. It kind of brings back <laughs> kind of brings back those, uh, those old uh, memories. But yeah, it, it's a sweet racket. I still love the 6-1. But um, after going so many years without uh, playing with it, consistently and then kind of my palette gradually kind of changing a little bit going to something like an Ezo 98 plus which is a little more modern easier power you go back to it and you hit it and you're like damn man how did I play with this for so long and play tournaments with this it's it's pretty demanding but it, it's it's a very beautiful sweet feeling uh experience though so yeah I agree I'm, I mean the same I, I played with it for like a, you know a year ago I played with it kind of consistently the old encode version which is my favorite 
And yeah. then I, I kind of started testing and then you slowly float away from the racket because you're testing so many new frames. And then you're trying to go back and exactly like you said, you're like, what what am I doing with this 95 screen racket? Like it's it's so difficult to generate any power. If you're playing on clay, you know, people hit heavy top spin, you're late, you know, it's, ah, yes. Yeah, uh, then, then you kind of like fade away. So then you need another like month or a few weeks to just play with that one and get into it, which is tough in a play tester uh, lifestyle, as you might know, right? So um, I, I'm keen to ask you about a few recent play tests. I mean, you're obviously always far ahead of the schedule, you know, stuff that we don't know that's coming out in, in, uh, in a month or, or in years, you know, so, uh, but the recent play tests uh, that have been published, we have the pure arrow Rafa origin, which I think we both like pretty much. What was your feeling around that one? It's such a crazy spec to release to the general public, I would say. Yeah, I was, uh, that's one of the first things that popped in my mind when we were just talking about how I customized uh, my ESO 98 plus and how they were so headlight. And then you go into something like this, that's not headlight at all. Um, you know, pretty much even balance for almost a 12 ounce racket, which is pretty crazy. Um, uh, but it, it's, uh, for me, it, it's like, I, I like the Babolat, uh, sort of the, some of the newer pure arrows, how they've gotten softer. The 98 is really nice. The, the pure arrow, Plus 2023 is another one of my favorites lately, but I must say like this racket, it's maybe one of my favorite as far as feel and solidness, probably maybe one of my favorite Babolat rackets I've ever touched. It's like, it's like a different experience. I think everybody, you know, if you're really, if you really want to test things out and just try things um, should probably try to demo it. Or if your buddy has one, at least give it a hit. Cause it's, it's a very unique experience extremely solid um i love rallying with it maybe i don't play my best tennis with it all the time but so far like it's just been a very addicting thing like i've literally had one in my backpack every day when i come to work and like any chance i get to rally with it and i've kind of uh restrung it a few times and dialed it in as far as like stiffness goes because it's a pretty firm racket but uh yeah i mean you can you can uh, give me your experiences i actually watched uh one of your recent videos where you were doing a review of a bunch of Babolat stuff with one of the yeah, really yeah. high level pros. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cannon. It's a, it's a beast. It's got a lot of weight. It's not, yeah, not very easy to hit the kick serve, but uh, just rallying from the baseline. It's just so smooth and you really don't have to swing very hard or do a whole lot and you just get tons of depth and plow. It's uh, the epitome of like plow through, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a fun experience. I, I I shook my head a bit when I saw the specs, and I was like, okay, they're going for this. You know, they're 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 trying to, you know, because even if you compare it to the RF ninety seven, that has more of an old school vibe to it in the way that it's like a heavy, relatively stiff as well, firm racket, but it's quite headlight. So older people uh, will enjoy this kind of in a way. I mean, I, I met some guys who are like really good in shape. They're fifty eight, whatever play with the RF-97, and they hit heavy shots, like really heavy, flat, everything seems to work. You know, Normally, I would tell them, hey, this is not going to work for you in the end, but they actually play really well with it, so I can't say anything. And they like that heft. But when you have something like this, which is the weight, you know, it's completely differently located, everything almost in the head, it's quite polarized. You feel the polarization, some in the handle, some in the 12 o'clock, lots at 12 o'clock. 
but it's so much fun to play with. And I, I was a bit shocked actually that I would like it. I thought it would just be completely impossible, but it's it's actually swings okay. And you can let the racket do the work, which I think is is sometimes fun. However, I think a lot of people might might not be able to play with it in match as I would not be able to either probably. It's not as difficult as people think, but it's it's one of those that is, is tough to play matches with. I think if you're a racket nerd, I think you will really enjoy the racket. Put it on the wall. Uh, you can just play with it for you know 30 minutes to an hour when you feel like you want to do it. Uh, and it's going to be put a smile on your face, but it's not going to be your match racket usually. So, uh, But definitely a fun one. And I, I think they will sell a bunch of these because it's quite addictive to play with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. One thing I did do on, we had two uh, tester frames and one... One actually had a bit higher swing weight than the other. So one was like kind of almost at 370 strong. And then there was one that was almost at like 380 strong. So there was two. And what the other one, the higher one was crazy. But uh, though I took the one that was like in the higher 360 range. And I also, uh, I just wanted to see what would happen. But because it's only uh, technically, it's only like 317 grams unstrung. So not crazy heavy. I've tried a lot of rackets in that weight range like i'm sure you have and um so I, I basically put some tungsten putty in the handle and i pretty much brought the static weight up closer to the rf 97 so it was like 12 6 or so with the overgrip and a dampener so not quite rf but close to it and it ended up being like about six points headlight six to almost seven and uh that's what i kind of continue to play with after I did that and I, that's the one I, I still use so I ended up tail weighting it and it's heavier overall but I think it actually swings better it swings pretty nice yeah and I haven't even tried that yet so that, that makes me uh, curious now to put a put some some weight in the handle and that, that seems to be a logical I mean it's gonna be heavy anyway it's already 370 swing weight you're not going to add any swing weight by adding weight to the handle, but you're going to make it feel a little bit more natural, like a normal racket, I would say. So I think that makes sense to do that. What string did you settle on? Did you find like a string that worked well in this racket? Um, try to, we tried RPM a lot throughout the playtest. The first thing we strung it with was the RPM Blast 15L, which we were trying to mimic Rafa's setup, you know, right. We did it right about 55 pounds. But uh, tried a few different other polys. We tried it with uh, RPM Rough. We tried it with RPM Hurricane. So we did a bunch of Babylon stuff first. And then I ended up putting Alu Power in there for a bit. Um, right now, uh, Cyclone. And then right now, I've settled on Hyper G just because that's kind of my base. Did it at 48 pounds. So I dropped yeah. down a little bit from what the, the rest of the crew was testing it at. Yeah, so 48 pounds, uh, Hyper G. Okay, that's... Um... It's an interesting setup, actually. The Rough Origin, a lot of fun, and uh, definitely a racket people should, should check out if they're curious about the weight, you know, I would say. Um, are there any other recent playtests? Like on the wall there, if you look at it, you had the V-Core, and you had the Solinco, and the new Radical, and the Technifiber, which is the TF40, it looks like, which is a frame yeah. I also enjoyed. Um, any, like, outtakes around the, the V-Cores? Like, they, they're always so... Um, I would say ambitious, which I like, obviously, that they, I would say head goes more the conservative, like we added a little bit of this and hopefully the mold is great. So we're not going to change that. That's a little bit the head's approach in recent years. While Yonex, they always want to do something, whether you like it or not, it's going to be something relatively drastic for racket nerds. Uh, what did you feel about the new V course? Yeah, I was uh, pretty impressed overall. The one I got up here is the 95, you know, a la Marcos Quiron or... 
uh, Shapovalov. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, biggest difference here, it definitely felt softer from the first time I hit it, softer, more plush, which is kind of um, kind of uh, unique. But they also kind of did it with the E Zone as well, with both um, these newest versions. The beam got a little bit thicker, but it also got a little more flexible. So, and I, I know the, the the stiffness is really um, relative, at least the way we measure it on a RDC machine. The the stiffness is really relative to the throat region, kind of the middle halfway bending point, and not so much the layup in the hoop or other sections. But uh, yeah, thought it was unique. They made the beam a little thicker, but also softened it up. It felt very plush, very comfortable from from the beginning which is something that um, I think was nice. I think a lot of people appreciate it, but very uh, different from maybe some of the older V cores, like the, uh, the SV and some of those models that were kind of firmer, crisper, kind of that more modern feel. And, you know, that's kind of what they were going for as the V core is their kind of like spin racket, kind of synonymous with the Pure Arrow. But um, yeah, really like the 95. That's my favorite of the bunch. And the one thing also was really different was the string spacing uh, compared to pretty much all the, they've tweaked it a little bit from the, in the 95, from the couple generations past, but this one is really open for a 16 by 20. Uh, the string spacing, if you hold it up with like the newest pure arrow 2023 for a 95, the string spacing actually is more spaced. It looks like than the current pure arrow. So you're getting like that really modern, easy lift and launch angle but in a 95 package um but with that 95 we call it a 95 but it actually you know the, the sort of wide hoop it, it plays more forgiving to me so it's a it's a very user-friendly 95 in that sense yeah for sure I, I usually think of them almost like you know when head used to measure the opposite way around i always think of, of yonix rackets the other way like instead of uh head used to say this is a 98 and it was a 95 until graphene era but with the Onyx, I feel like you add two square inches almost, at least two to three square inches. So it's a 95 plays like a 98 almost. The 100 plays almost like an oversized frame in many ways because it feels so like the isometric head shape. I mean, it doesn't all come with, it's all not all benefits, but because it can also be lead to a bit of lack of control, obviously. And, and uh, you know, a sweet spot that's small, you feel it better in a way, but it's obviously harder to hit while a large sweet spot yeah, easier to hit, but then you have a little bit less precision, less sweetness in the sweet spot. That's how I see it anyway. But but it was an interesting try. I really liked the 95 as well. I think it was my favorite. I feel like the softest one was maybe the 98 that felt incredibly soft. Like it's like a pillow, maybe a bit too soft almost. You know, it's like very, Ooh. very gentle to to play with. Uh, when it comes to the, um, the Solinko racket, like how are they doing? I mean, I, I think the new 98, 1820 really impressed me. I think it was a, a good stick. You know, I, I, I did struggle a bit with the previous one with the launch of that one felt a bit open or you know this was some extra movement or trampolining in the string bed what do you feel about the new solinko frames yeah i definitely would agree with you on that um when the blackout and the whiteout first came out um good good racket solid frames uh i like the whiteout 305 16 19 and the uh, extended but i didn't quite love them you know like they were uh, Really nice, really solid, pretty stable. Um, I've, I've, I'll compare more of the extended versions because that's kind of my base nowadays uh, with my E-Zone. But uh, I thought the 1619 version of the extended was just a little bit firm filling. 
And also with that really open 1619 pattern, it's pretty spaced. I was getting a, a little bit of kind of a, erratic spraying every now and then on flatter shots. And I just didn't feel quite as connected like on the slice and the touch and stuff. So when this uh, 1820 version of the extended came out, I was super excited, got it in the office. I strung it up with Hyper G17. I'm like, okay, we're gonna hit it tomorrow and got on the court. And at first I was a little hesitant with the 1820 because I haven't played with an 1820 as my own racket in a while. Um, I thought maybe launch angle issues or whatever but I just felt dialed in. My forehand was just like, it was like an extension of my arm almost. And for some reason, I, I was thinking the 1820 string bed uh, compared to the wideout 1619 extended that it would feel maybe even a little firmer, but uh, it actually felt relatively plush and I felt even more connected. So I really think they hit the mark with that one, at least for my my preferences and feel. Yeah, I didn't try to extend the one yet, but I, I felt like they... The string, I mean, sometimes with an 1820, you feel like the ball wants to kind of just dip, like you're not going to be able to generate enough movement on the ball. But with this one, it felt like the spin came quite easy. You can't always only look at the string pattern. You have to look at the string spacing, how it actually performs in the racket and so on. Right? I've actually been hitting a couple um, Solinko samples. You know, I don't know, they send us a couple just to uh, kind of give us an update. Like, I think they're the similar frames to what they have right now, but maybe just a tweak in the layup right now and uh, really impressed with that going forward. So I think, uh, I think they'll keep some good stuff going around. Hopefully they, they stay around in the racket side of things for, for a little bit. No. So Selinko, they make good product, good strings always. And then obviously it's, it's the toughest part is going into rackets. I think we've seen that in, if you follow the industry for a long time, it's like you can make a string and you can make it pay pretty okay. I mean, to make a really good string, you need to put in a lot of research and development to make something unique unless you just go and buy something in the same factory as everyone else and puts a, put a color on it. But with rackets, you know, it's such a difficult engineering feat uh, if you want to go your own way, right? I mean, you can buy a mold from Alibaba, but it's, it's also tough if you want to go really your own, your own way, you know? So I, I think that's, that's a tough one to go in and take market share. But if you make good products, you know, there's still always possibility. Yeah, you ever uh, thought of making a tennis nerd racket, man? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I, sh I should I should no I, I don't like I, I would be fun to uh, look into it at some point just just to learn the whole process like if you know it, it's not so easy so you have to kind of get into it. and you have to probably have some a lot of money to to back up to actually make something because I would obviously want to make something that I feel is the best racket I've ever played or you know that I want to play with it so it should it would take a while <laughs> you know it would be like ah can you take some of the H twenty two and make a PT 57A yeah. feel here yeah. and then more power and more spin. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a, a tough one. Right. I remember we were talking about the uh, the podcast we did a while back with Michelle. Yeah. And you were saying, uh, we were talking about like, you know, concept rackets, like what would be the ideal? And I think you mentioned like something like a Gravity 98 with maybe a slightly more open pattern or something would be. Yeah, that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Don't you have a racket that was like custom painted for you by like Unstrung Customs or something like a tennis nerd cosmetic? Or no? yeah, that was, but that was one of the. Um, it was it a head radical tour, and I also had a old liquid metal radical tour, which was one of my favorite rackets. Still a bit tough to use, to be honest, these days. And then I had one from a Portuguese company called Dacor. They're not really making rackets anymore. That was very good, actually. That was like really nice uh, graphite and played really beautifully. Uh, so that was a shame that they they're not around. I think that shows that it's quite tough to to make rackets yeah. work. But 
there there's so many good rackets but it, it, there's always something you know so I, in every racket you play you know how it is when you try everything you're like okay this is great from one two three and then four ah, it doesn't quite work and when i talk to my friend hendrik for example who also tests everything he is like oh i love this racket and then you two months pass it's like oh i'm i'm, I'm switching <laughs> i'm going somewhere yeah. else you know? yeah it didn't work on clay for example or it didn't work like when i was stretched out in the corners i'm like yeah this is uh, this is the craziness we live in right <laughs> you have to like, embrace yeah. it uh-huh. technifiber um those i i actually think they have made like a huge stride in going from being good rackets uh not the prettiest rackets always back in the day but now they actually look really good and they play really well as well. I think it's they taken like like a pretty big steps towards a good direction. And uh, what do you think about recent Technifibers? Yeah, I uh, really there was a good probably solid six months where like I was just playing with between the TF40 um, 305, which I have here 1619 customized added weight to it. Um, and then when the three, when I did the play test for the new or newish, uh, 315 ISO T fight, I really got hooked on that one. Um, I was playing with that for a while. And then, uh, just cause in my mind, it's, it's got a stiffer layup, kind of like the pure arrow origin. Um, I, it plays pretty good for, you know, for being like a 69 RA, which we, tested it actually plays fairly comfortable i would think it was more like a 66 or 65 but uh, just because it, that number was in my mind i tried the 300 version of the t-fight the iso and i weighted that up a little bit and kind of tweaked with that so tried a lot of the t-fight stuff lately really like tf40 is typically more of my like cup of tea you know coming like back in the day from like a blade kind of that softer feel but it still has nice pop to it I like the 1820 a lot of the T fight, the newest one, but there's times where like it does one, two, three, great. But number four, I, there was times where like on those short angles or on like a faster surface, I was really having a hard time just creating shape on the ball uh, with the 1820. So I do prefer the 1619 of the TF40 a little bit more, which I think was a great addition to their line. Um, but the T fights were surprisingly nice. You know, they, don't quite have the feel of that TF40, uh, a little less feel, but you get really easy pop and with the open string pattern on the 315 and the 300, really easy bite. So uh, just a fun racket to play with. Yeah, I haven't tried the 315 actually, because uh, I got like an ISO 305 and it was quite a bit over specs. So it was like 340 swing weight with a lot of weight in the hoop. So it was a bit tough to give it like a full uh, balanced review, you know, uh, it's just tough when you get like something that's that's too much over spec or just way out of your reach. Like if I could give it to some pro, maybe he'd be like, yeah, I love this. But for me personally, it gets a bit high through the 340 swing weights, you know, to play with regularly. But um, but generally they, the TF40 I love, you know, I think this is both the old one, 1820 and the new one, 1619, very good rackets. And so, and also I like the Ega as well. Like I thought the Ega was uh, quite impressive. It wasn't too stiff. Some small customization. You can swing it really fast, you know, quite a fun racket to use, you know. So I, I think they, they've done some good stuff. I think the TFX1, they need to do something better with, but the, that that's maybe coming for the TFX2 or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. But... Yeah. But yeah, really liking those. Um, I would say if I had to knock the Technifiber, uh, just naturally they're, palette shape uh isn't my favorite it's kind of like the old school head kind of that kind of wider 
flatter kind of palette, kind of yeah. like an old school, yeah, head head racket. So I get used to it, but I don't. It's not natural to me. So that's one little knock. And then also with the handle, as you probably noticed, uh, the there's no trap door on the butt cap. So usually to customize it, it's it's a little bit more work, a little bit more of a pain. Um, it's harder to conventionally uh, customize it, I guess, unless you were to kind of drill a hole in the in the bottom part and hope you get one of the tubes and i guess you could maybe like silicone it that way or just remove the butt cap completely but that takes a lot of work it's not the easiest thing for customizers and tennis nerds like us to just do some handle weight no no i think it's a, a miss i don't know why they do it like that because it seems like i mean everyone else pretty much does uh the trapdoor stuff and it helps so much for customizers for just regular people to just put try put some weight in you can remove it easy you like you said the tungsten tungsten putty was, was a great way to do it so it's, it's i just don't get it like i i think it's such an over you know overlooked thing you know hopefully they listen to this and they will uh, reconsider for future rackets because the rackets are, are great like they're they're very good rackets and i i think we see more and more like pros also no under like testing rackets who are in the face of testing that they are more open to technofiber as well and then you're seeing that more and more so um oh yeah they can do good stuff in the future for sure yeah really liking their stuff yeah and then okay if we go on your wall i think there's also a radical there and uh, as i said in my preamble like it's had they've done um a very conservative approach i mean i can i get it because like their their speeds they were very good. Their mold, they feel like they perfected it. And I've talked to their engineers. So that's really their, their thinking. I think that it's a very good mold. Uh, the new Speed Pro is, is one of my favorites as, as well as Chris's. Uh, but what do you think of the new Radicals, the MP and the Pro? I haven't hit the MP as much a few times, but uh, that's just because I was really, uh, really liking the Pro from the first time I hit it. Um, it's, um, I think they really turned the corner on the last version, the uh, 2021, the sort of the gray, was it Graphene 360 plus, I think, or something yeah. like that. And then this one's Oxygenic. Yeah, so that gray and orange one, I think that, that really turned the corner. One of the kind of main things they did was just kind of flatten out the beam more. So some of the older Graphene radicals were like, you know, uh, they, they tapered a little bit in the beam and the sides three and nine were quite a bit thicker than a typical radical. And now they're back to that kind of thinner, closer to, I think it's closer to 21 millimeters throughout. And I think that really helped the feel on contact. But uh, this one in particular, the new one, uh, I just felt like I got a little bit easier power than the last one. I, I felt like the last one had good feel, uh, but didn't quite have the pop. And this one, as soon as I started hitting from the baseline, I was like, oh, the ball's jumping off. And yeah, it's it's a little dampened, not um, as much feel as maybe the the newest Prestige pro which i think is amazing feel um but i was liking that i was getting a little boost in power still had good feel um it's a 16 19 it's not crazy open though so you still get that kind of direct control um overall i thought it was a great frame I, and i i probably would do little customization i can play that one pretty close to stock form so it's one of those that i can just kind of throw in my bag and go play some dubs or whatever and just be happy yeah, I think I have the same feeling with the radicals. Like it's, it's um, I, I can find rackets that do are better in every category, but the overall package is so good and consistent that it's just pick up and play, right? I don't need to customize that much. I don't need to do anything. I don't have to worry about some crazy launch angle, trampoline, anything. It's just consistent, right? So you put in something, you get it out. 
and you still get a bit more power than a prestige, for example. So it's a little bit helpful compared to that. And I, I, I like the MP uh, and uh, I, I think the pro is also very good. So it's just like a toss up there, but it, it's just a racket that's very dependable. And it's not like a huge change from the previous edition, but like you said, I think they, once they went into the 360 plus, I think a lot of the rackets improved, you know, compared to the, the graphene touch and the graphene XT and those rackets. I, I, I wasn't as much of a fan of those lines. I think they, they've been producing much better rackets the last three years, four years, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So, and, and also we, there was one, I put a few rackets out there uh, that we haven't touched, which is uh, the partly the new gravity, not like a huge change there. Um, like I, I, I like the gravity MP because it was very soft. It's something I can easily recommend to players who are, you know, want a pretty soft feeling frame that is pretty easy to swing, but still control. Right. So I think the gravity MP was an improvement. Uh, did you swing a lot of the gravities? Like, do you have a preference in the gravity family? I love the feel, the solidness and the thin beam of, of the pro. I just, I guess kind of like we we're thinking conceptually, I would like to try that pro frame with a slightly more open drill pattern. So I think if you put the 1620 of the MP uh, in the pro, I think that would be really, really something I would dig on. Um, I like the MP as well. And I think if I added weight to it or customized it, uh, it would play great. You know, uh, Ashley Barty was kind of using a similar, similar type of frame to that setup. I don't know the layup and stuff, but uh, sim quite similar. Um, so I think it's a good racket, but just the, the slight difference in the beam thickness, right? The MP is just a little bit thicker. So I think if I could have my, my uh, preference, I really like how the, the pro feels. I just want a little bit more grab, a little bit more openness from that string bed to live, liven things up on those kind of low balls or those cross angles and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's it's also like that. I, the Gravity Pro, I, I like it a lot. I just find it a bit demanding somehow. Like I, I just a bit too tough to use. And I'm a fan of the prestigious, as you know, but it's like the, the Gravity, I find a bit tougher. I don't know why. I still like it a lot. Like when, and the Pro is, is great. The Tour, I find to be very good, but obviously Tour is not available in all, uh, you know, geographic areas. So that that's uh, an issue with that one. Uh, but it's it's obviously a good, good lineup and the Oxetic, probably makes it a little bit better uh, in terms of feel. I feel like the feel and the stability is something that is improved a bit. Maybe it's the power, as you said, with the radicals, maybe you get a bit more pop because it's, it's when I discussed about this oxetic with head, it's like the, putting oxetic in the throat will have a different impact depending on the structure of the racket, depending on the, on the, like the, the mold of the racket. So it can have a completely different reaction to one model and completely different to another model, which makes it a fascinating concept fascinating material or technology but it's, it's also difficult to to feel exactly the the differences between 360 plus and oxetic have you noticed any differences in the different uh, updates from uh, from head yeah i think oxetic has been pretty spot on or at least the the way they've uh implemented the technology that i feel like you know they've put it mostly in that throat area and not throughout the, you know, the way they've strategically used it. I think the only racket so far that I didn't really think it maybe was necessary for me was on the Gravity Pro, just because I thought the original Gravity Pro was so good by itself. It's just that almost like pro stock, classic graphite, solid feel, whereas like you almost don't need technology in a racket like that. Um, but I still think the new Gravity Pro is a great frame. I just thought the original was 
hard to beat already. Um, other than the fact that I, I'd like a, a different drilling of the holes, but that's not, you know, necessarily a technology. That's just <laughs> the way they, you know, design the frame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Organic's really good. I, like I said, the Prestige Pro in the current lineup is probably one of my favorite feeling frames on the market. It's just classic, buttery, silky smooth. You know, that one next to like maybe like the Phantom Mid, like the 1820 or the, the 1418, that thin beam, some of the Phantoms, and maybe like the Dunlop CX200 Tour, which maybe doesn't get talked about a ton. But I think that's a great feeling frame as well. And uh, I was actually thinking in my head, these rackets, one of them I forgot to bring out that really kind of gets overlooked and probably just because it's a, a classic re kind of remake racket, but uh, the Vocal C10 Pro, I've been hitting with that a lot lately. And that's just a beautiful frame. And it's just so comfortable. It's another one of those addicting feelings because it's just so plush, but then it's got the weight built in. So it's got a really nice spec in stock form. And then the open pattern uh, really gives you a pretty easy spin on, on most baseline shots. So that's another one too, the C10 Pro, I think people kind of overlook and that's a great frame. Yeah, yeah, the focal frames are, are, are there are some excellent ones there, you know, and, and the, the C10 Pro is the, the classic, I would say, the legend in, in the bunch. And there's usually a reason why frames are around for like 25 years or whatever, you know, that's usually because people keep coming back, they keep using this racket, they found something pretty much straight off the bat. You have the 6195, you have the, you know, head uh, pro tour 630. It's now the PT7A. It's now on tour pop. I mean, you can't buy it. We can buy the, the head PT 2.0, which is the same mold. So you, these kind of molds, they just found like a weight balance mold that works, you know. So um, that C10 Pro definitely is, is one of those. Getting to, to new molds, new ideas, and we don't seek maybe a huge amount of innovation in the racket space uh, for, for, I mean, for, for pretty good reasons, I would say, because it's, tennis is pretty much a sport of very small increments like it's such um fast pace you can't like change rackets too much uh, but the shift uh the 300 and the 315 and, and still rackets I, I enjoy in many ways although i felt like it, the the launch angle the spin is maybe more than i can play with personally uh, but it's a feeling i, I enjoy what, what do you think about the new shift rackets yeah they're they're quite unique um I know from the first time I, I hit with one of them, um, I was surprised when I actually found out kind of what their typical uh, stiffness rating was. I know Wilson's very much into their their dynamic stiffness now, so they're testing the racket from all different angles of, of flex, not just your traditional uh, Babolat RDC machine type stiffness. But uh, yeah, they do have a higher stiffness rating, close, closer in that upper 60s. Um, but they play pretty plush, pretty dampened, pretty smooth. Um, and it's one of those things, I think, for me, uh, kind of like I just explained on the Gravity Pro, I like the 315. I like how solid it is. Um, I believe the heavier one's a 315, right? Yeah. The Shift 99, yeah. So I like the way that one feels, uh, solidness, stable plow through but i i like the 1620 pattern on the 300 version a little bit more so i'd either we haven't done it yet but be interested in, in waiting up the 300 a bit or it'd be cool to try a, a heavier molded 315 with that 1620 uh drill pattern but uh yeah pretty unique and uh uh you can hit a pretty heavy ball with it i noticed uh when um when i was at the uh indian wells uh, on the 
the tennis warehouse demo court, uh, a lot of people that were hitting with it from juniors to seniors and recreational players, all, all the above, it seemed like everybody could hit a pretty solid, heavy topspin ball with it. So it seemed like the ball was really jumping off the racket. And it noticed, I noticed that as well. Yeah, it's definitely like a modern frame, like a made for, you know, topspin players, college players, young players who are kind of grow up with, you know, semi-Western grip and, and ripping the ball from down to up, you know, instead of, it's not really a traditional classic player's racket. It, it's more of a, for a modern game. And I think that is where you have to be heading. You know, we have to find these, these rackets and, and create them. And I, I really enjoyed it. Both I, I agree with you, probably the 300 version with the pattern, uh, with the good string setup and then adding some weight would have been like a, a good option. I haven't tried that yet. So that's maybe next on the list now with reviews are hopefully slowing down a bit. One racket I wanted to talk about was the Pro Staff X and the new Pro Staffs in general. Like that kind of design was very heavily discussed in forums. You have all your your, your famous tennis warehouse forums, I heard. And and obviously when I when I move around different courts, clubs, when on my travels around here in Spain, especially you get questions like, okay, oh, this is amazing. This is not so great. The Rafa was very liked by some and not so liked by others. Same with the pro staff. Like it's, it's, some people love it. Some people think it's, ugh, it should be black because it's a pro staff. Uh, what were your thoughts about partly the design, but also like the playability of the new pro staffs? Yeah. First off, I got to give, you know, a shout out to the man, even though yeah. he's, he's not uh, on tour right now. But um, yeah, I, I, it's tough. You know, I wish some, uh, I mean, consumers are consumers and you know if you're buying a product you have full reign to, to have your opinion on what you're going to spend your money on but i, I wish people were more more open-minded and less cr critical of the cosmetic you know whether it's the crazy looking you know pink and yellow blue rafa racket or the fact that it went from rogers you know black prestigious racket to something more of a brown I actually kind of liked the cool new color of the pro staff. I wasn't necessarily tied to the all black racket. I actually like the technofibers. I, I actually like a all white racket. I think white's pretty clean, but some people hate all white rackets. Uh, either, either way, beyond the cosmetic, um, I was really uh, attracted and really um, a fan of the, the new 97 V14. Uh, the 100X, I, I, I definitely understand its appeal um and definitely is a great racket if you're looking for a little more forgiveness i just think they could have differentiated it just a little bit more with the spec compared to the 97 as far as it's pretty much the same frame just with a bigger head size slightly bigger head size but uh, i've always been a fan of that 95 to 98 head size and i think that's really the beauty of the pro staff for me is the precision um so the 97 is really really a nice frame and what i really liked about it um, is just the slightly uh, smoother feel, I thought. It, to me, it just felt a little bit, I know we say this all the time, oh, you know, there's people out there probably trolling trolling us right now. Oh, it's a little more plush or it's a little more smooth or it's a little more buttery or whatever. But it, it to me, it did feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more smooth on contact. I thought the V13 was just a little bit firmer and I could feel that kind of like, kevlar braid in the frame at least what i thought it was with the v13 with this one it just felt a little bit uh, um a little bit more dwell time maybe it's the paradigm bending or whatever they call it but i like that about it and i also like that the uh, swing weight at least on the ones that we tested was higher it was closer to 330 
And so I felt like I didn't have to really do much customization. That's basically my, my summary of that one. No, I agree. I, I think that's generally my feeling as well. Like it's, it's, um, it's a racket there that's, you just pick up and play kind of like the radical pro or MP, whatever your pick is. And, and it, it was very good in the version 13. I felt I like I a little bit more connected maybe to the 13. I, then I played them side by side. I, probably prefer the 14 now I'm, I'm a little bit like you know back and forth sometimes i think they over dampen rackets you know i talk about it all the time i should stop yeah. talking about it but sometimes i go a bit like oh, i mis- i want like pure graphite you know old school feel uh, which you kind of get in the origin for example which i think we both like that kind of like you know just no no dampening at all but it doesn't feel super harsh to me uh that's why i like in some old school frames that you do just feel the ball 100 percent uh, has pros and cons, obviously. So, but the new pro stuff is good. Uh, the 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 hundred, I I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. I think that's a good point that they they could have made it a little different. They could have made it maybe if they want to compete maybe with the Gravity Pro, they could have made an eighteen twenty string pattern because this this sixteen nineteen in the hundred, I feel like it wants to take the ball a bit too much on a ride sometimes. Like the ball wants to go places where it shouldn't go with the pro stuff. Like the pro stuff, you want to feel like Roger, you want know, to be like I hit spot. It go the ball goes there and I win point. You know this is this is where it should be. Oh, oh yeah, you you felt that that one had like not really a pro staff identity maybe, and like you said, it's still three fifteen grams. It's still the same beam width, and it's just like a hundred square inches. So makes it not, you know, unique enough. I would have liked it. It maybe if you go hundred, fine, you know, but then maybe make an eighteen twenty. So you still get that control, but a little bit more forgiving head. And you can play around a little bit with the, with the specs. So maybe we see that in the future. I don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what people... I don't know, like, how much customer feedback do you get? Like, do you get people... Do you keep up with everything on the forums? I mean, that's obviously rough uh, work. But Or do you, like, check customer data all the time so you know what, what the customers say about the new frames that come in? Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I mostly pay attention to the feedback, like, on our YouTube channel. I kind of scroll through that every day and kind of answer people's questions or hear, you know, oh, this paint job sucks or you guys are crazy and you don't know what you're talking about or, you know, like just random <laughs> comments. Uh, it's all good. We get a lot of love on there too. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as like the customer feedback, like Michelle filters through that like every day or pretty often. Um, I help out on the message boards as well, but I'm kind of just more starting to get into like the feedback stuff. Uh, I started, you know, doing a little moderation and stuff like that. So yeah, we try to do our best to, to listen to what the, the people are saying in those forums on YouTube and all that. We try to at least have somebody in the department that's kind of keeping an eye on it and sharing it with the team. Yeah, I think it, it's good to have an ear to the ground. But like, as you know, with YouTube comments, you can also go, I get a bit uh, frustrated reading YouTube comments, like depending on if there's some keyboard warrior or troll behind them, you know, and, and also sometimes people um you want to hear like a wide perspective from loads of different voices but then like with some people who watch every racket video in all channels everywhere and just want to write something that they feel like want to get out their opinion they get like a big too big of a voice you know so then it's tough to always like get an understanding of what is the average consensus when some people are screaming so loud whether it's the cosmetic or uh, and like you said i think people in general should give things and people and things in life more of um, maybe more of a chance, like not be so just like, this is shit. This is not the way it used to be. This is, this is just generally my life philosophy, right? It's not, not about products. 
uh, that you should not like try to judge straight away. Just just keep an open mind, see it in person, hit a few balls with it if we're talking about rackets and, and give it a chance. Like, And also understand from a company point of view, obviously they, they want to sell rackets. They want to create a racket for the biggest possible audience. And if their customer research said, hey, we're going to make a pink bubble up because this is what uh, the audience wants and this is modern, this is cool, this is trendy and we sell more rackets like this and Rafa says, okay, then they're going to make that. And, and it also stands out. Like, so there's also a standout feature, you know, which I think is good. So in my opinion, for example, I prefer this, you know, slightly crazy looking Rafa origin much more than the banana one before, you know, I thought that was pretty so-so, you know, I, I think this is cooler, you know, and then uh, so it's, we're all different, different strokes for, for different folks. So I, I agree with your, your comment there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And the, the one thing I do feel for some consumers, you know, is I understand that in certain places of the world, um, people don't have access to demos and they really rely on our feedback and our, our judgment to help guide them on the right path of purchasing one of the five rackets that they have at this little shop in their, their small country or wherever they're at. You know, I do understand that I feel for people like that, you know, just because I'm lucky enough to come in the tennis warehouse every day and pick between 500 rackets on the wall or whatever, you know, crazy number. And I got, you know, tungsten putty and lead tape and leather grips and all that stuff. So I do feel for the consumer in, in a certain extent, but yes, I, I completely agree with you in the sense that, yeah, I wish people were a little bit more open-minded, a little, um, a little more open to thinking about things before just hitting the uh, keyboard and just saying, ah, this sucks or you suck or, you know, whatever. Yeah, just a, I think so. just a, bit, a more bit more positive love. mindset. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good message. And when it comes to like when you, I mean, you get a lot of rackets all the time, new rackets. Do you ever get bored of testing rackets? I mean, do or do you feel still feel the excitement? I obviously understand being in this same situation, kind of that not every racket will give you like, woof, you know, I want to try this. But when you get a racket that you've been looking forward to, do you still feel like a kid on Christmas, or or how, how is your your uh, emotions? I think there's been a, it's been kind of ups and downs and now there's been definitely um, periods of like, man, like you just kind of get burnt out, on, you know, trying stuff that you kind of think is like somewhat mediocre, but um, you know, for the most part, yes. Like when you get the new Rafa origin or you get a, Oh, a Selenko 1820 extended. Yeah. You know, me and three other guys in the office are all fighting for it or, you know, for the most part, it's it's very much uh, in the candy store, and you, you're very appreciative of uh, what you got at hand, just for the sake that, like I said, you know, there's so many people that that don't have the access. Um, and I think like it's really, you know, pretty pretty good lately in the last, like I'd say, year or two. It's really surprising how many. I mean, it's all it's all a judgment and in um, personal preference, but I feel like there's a lot of good rackets and shoes. Uh, the most part that are on the market right now so like almost every brand there's something really good to pick from and yeah i can't i can i can remember times throughout my career here where that wasn't the case yeah i agree 100 percent. like having been like a racket nerd for so long now and uh you know watched and read and tried everything uh, pretty much that there is i think it's we're in a time where i think also that there are more ice there are more information people sharing there's so many youtube channels reviewing stuff and and you know, spreading information, opinions, whatever. I mean, there's always pros and cons with everything, but overall, I think it puts a little bit more of an onus on the racket companies as well. 
Like you need to create good stuff. Like I, there's there's too much competition. There's too much information. You get some shitty reviews. People won't buy it. So so I think it, it's a little bit more pressure on them to create something and to maybe be faster with product releases, whether that's feasible for how long, we don't know. But uh, so you're seeing more and more products. But generally, I also agree that you rarely see like a crap racket. Like I've, I've tested rackets in the past where I'm like, Jesus, what is this? You know, this was not good. Uh, this was just like firm and, and no dampening, just harsh, bad vibrations, whatever frame uh, or no sweet spot whatsoever. Uh, and nowadays, like most rackets seem to have pretty well thought through demographic for the racket. It might not be for me, you know, um, like the lighter Aero Alpha, you know, it's not a racket for me pretty much with the open string bed and 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 the weight spec. Maybe I can spec it up a bit, but but I prefer the origin string pattern. That spacing is perfect for for what I like. And then I'm really like understanding, okay, so this is for one group, this for one group, this for one group, and the, the good rackets keep coming. So it's, it's very hard to, I know a lot of people like on, on forums and stuff, they probably like you to roast rackets to be like, hey, this racket is shit, throw it in the trash can. <laughs> and obviously you, you can't keep doing that, obviously, because, uh, because you're selling rackets. But even me, I, I don't, there's always pros and cons. There's always some user that will like a racket that I not don't play well with. A uh, person that has a different level than me, whether higher or lower, you know, so it's, it's, we're just having to understand the product, who's it for and what it does well and not so well. You know, I think this is the easiest way to, to see it in this day. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, coming, I mean, tennis warehouse, we're an online retailer, we're in the business you know, you as an, maybe more of an independent reviewer can maybe have a little more leeway. And so there's a certain extent where, you know, in a review, I'm never going to say, oh, this is shit. That's not something that's going to fly or ever come to, uh, to YouTube for our channel, you know, but I think the language and like, so sometimes people ask me, oh, what do you think of this? And usually if my response is something, it's, it's something that I don't really love that much. I'll usually go, it's okay, but you should try this. You know, like that's usually my key for like, ah, I didn't love it that much. It, it's okay. I see the appeal for a certain type of player. But if, if you get that response from me, typically that's my way of saying, I didn't love it, try Hyper-G. I didn't love it, try the the Selenko, you know, like, or whatever, you know, like whatever brand it might be. So <laughs> I know I people yeah. out there are looking for that controversy or that, that type of clickbait thing but uh yeah you're not going to hear a tennis warehouse reviewer just bash something being balanced with stuff like uh, and, and i think it also shines through in some cases where we're in the language even with your play testers or with myself like i'm saying this is good for this one this one uh but it's it's not my racket that doesn't mean it's a bad racket it's just not for me it's not a racket i like or you like or you know doesn't work for my game it's so connected also to your swing style how you play the level you play and everything so it's it's not so easy to always say if a racket is crap it doesn't usually means it's not for me sometimes i can feel if a racket has a lot of like things not going for it even if it's not my style or my style or whatever uh, but rarely these days, like you said, it, it, I haven't seen a lot of rackets that are just like completely miss the mark in every aspect. They just, you know, focus on different, different aspects. I, I think we're in an era where you can't really get away with making a crap product. With the amount of rackets today, how do you, like, there's so many good rackets out there. We talked about that, but so many brands make a lot of rackets, have a lot of different silos. How do you think a customer should approach it? And how do you approach customers giving advice on, on rackets and so on with the amount of rackets you have? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Sometimes people will ask, you know, what's a good racket for them? And um, a lot of times they just give you a general outline of what they're looking for, maybe their level or that type of thing. So when it's pretty general, um, I try to give them, you know, maybe a few options, sort of like a demo list typically, and maybe try a few different things if they're not really um, – they're not really like in tune with, you know, dialed in, as we say, of kind of like what their specs are, you know, a stiff racket or a flexible racket. So uh, I usually always kind of lean on the side of like arm friendliness in a racket, especially for someone that's kind of like recreational. You want to keep people in the game and not take them out of the game by giving them something too stiff on their arm. So I kind of lean that direction usually. But the ones that are like very dialed into like their history of frames and stuff like that it's a little easier to kind of dial them into like, you know, the eight eighteen twenty to the TF40 to the Selenko 1820 and kind of get them, you know, the, the T-Fight, you know, all those records that are kind of like in that uh, sort of same realm, you know, kind of give them a, a grouping or something like that. But um, yeah, I think it really just depends on sort of the, the information provided. And if they don't give very much information, you kind of give them a good umbrella of like, play tester favorites. And then for me, like I said, I always kind of lean, my recommendations always kind of lean on the arm friendly side, maybe the flexible, be comfortable. And also I kind of push people into a racket that's maybe a little bit more weight than they would usually consider. I don't try to like push RF 97 on a, a rec player, like, you know, a four O or whatever, but I, I try to, you know, Say if they're in between the pure drive team and the 300 gram version, I usually would tell them like if they're like a 3540, hey, maybe you should try the three the 300 gram because it'll give you a little bit more stability, a little more vibration dampening. And as you try to progress your game, if you are trying to get a little bit better, you'll probably end up liking that slightly heavier spec. So I kind of go in that route of a little bit, maybe push yourself to try a little bit more weight or customize. And also go with, when in doubt, if you're between two frames, probably should go with the more arm-friendly of the two. Because in the end, you want to play. You don't want to take yourself out of the game with an injury. So, I think that's a good that's a good idea. And I think I, a lot of the consultations I do, I get a lot of requests for and questions every day. And, and a lot of them relate or talk about tennis elbow, like being a problem that took them out of the game for sometimes months, quite serious stuff. And, uh, and some of it's obviously related to technique, overuse, other types of injuries, uh, but it can also be gear. Like I've seen a lot of people using very stiff strings, especially with high tensions, you know, and I, I can then relate, okay, so you're playing, you know, Rafa style setup back in the day when he, he didn't have the origin racket, for example, like people wanted to use RPM blast at 28 kilos or, you know, 60 pounds, which is, which is too much, you know, for, for many people. Um, so I, I think that's, that's generally a good idea. Do you, have you ever suffered from tennis elbow yourself? Like, do you have any injuries in terms of that? Not not what the typical tennis elbow would be, like the uh, lateral epicondylitis. I've never really had that injury there. Uh, probably the worst one I've had on my arm, it was actually kind of random, but it was actually on my non-dominant on my right right arm. I had some uh, some real bad pain running through like one of my tendons in there. So um, it was a long time ago, probably like eight, ten years ago, and I basically had to stop hitting a two-handed backhand for a while. And I just kind of was like slicing or hitting one handers. And then when I did go back to hitting two hands at the time, uh, I had to go very select with the racket. And I also was playing with multi-filaments for a while, but uh, in the end, it was almost kind of like a blessing in disguise because it really made me 
kind of hone in and, and kind of refine my technique, you know, clean contact off the front hip or hitting out in front, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I think it's it's if you have good technique, you will be less prone. You can still get injured because of overuse and stuff. You see the pros, oh, yeah. like they they obviously break down the hit like at these massive speeds with high tensions and and um it, it's a different sport than what we're playing. But always refining your technique is a good idea. Also refining physique, like for example, going to the gym or doing the flex bar, which is something I recommend people to do because it's a lot of the issues is like so much stiffness in the forearm you know and it's like the, the forearm is stiff as a brick and or a piano string and then you you need to kind of loosen that up and then usually things or, or go to a physiotherapist you know that's generally what i do if i have any problems like knee problems or anything go to a physio quickly tell me straight away just check it out is there anything i need to do then i try to start doing it you know i think it's a good yeah. way to avoid it but overall i think we're seeing like a more dampening and um i mean the the Popularity of the Wilson Clash, very arm friendly. Pro Canix is not like a super well known brand, but they have very good dampening technology with their, you know, quad focus, like the kinetic moving around with the beads. Uh, so that's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So there's most records today seem to there seems to be there seem to be a lot of choice anyway for people with, you know, want a super comfortable setup. At least that's what I what I've seen. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Pro Canix has some great frames. The Black A series for kind of the more advanced players and and they even have some really good tweener frames that are really well dampened. Yeah, they've kind of been a pioneer uh, in the racket game of being arm friendly them, vocal. Um Yonex has done a really good job over the years as well, but yeah, always uh something to keep in mind, you know, when you, when when you're looking at that boost in power, but the racket might be, you know, a little bit on the stiff side, you know, there are some good frames out there that can give you both that that dampening, that comfort, and the power you need. Um, something like, you know, off the top of my head, just like the E-Zone family, that seems to be a pretty a pretty good option for most people. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, relating to that, like, uh, to kind of round it off a bit, like, your your racket history is always interesting. So maybe you can take us through it a bit. Like, you, I know the 6195 was one of the, your favorites. I know also you like the K-Blade, because I've been watching your videos uh, way back since way back um but like so how have you moved around and you've, you've stayed with rackets for quite a long time i think right a bit maybe longer than chris have been doing yeah i say in general yeah i kind of like once i found something i liked i kind of held on to it for a good few years or a few generations of that same frame if uh wilson never discontinued the 6195 back like around the 2014 2015 version i probably would have kept going with that for a while but uh, other than like my very first racket that I bought from like a big five, big box store, which was like a really, you know, tweener kind of game improvement racket. Um, and even at, even at that, after playing with it for a couple months and noticing how light it was and trying to play against better players, I think I put a whole pack of lead tape on it to try to, <laughs> to try to stabilize the frame. But my first real racket purchase before I worked at Tennis Warehouse uh, was a Dunlop uh, MPhil 200. So it was the racket that James Blake was endorsing back uh, around, uh, was it 2005 when he played Agassi in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open? I was a big James Blake fan. So that was like, uh, it was on sale. It was like a really good deal in the T-Dub uh, retail store. And then I also kind of put two and two together that it was James Blake's endorsed racket. So that kind of triggered my purchase. And then from there, I kind of stuck with the higher swing weight, dense string patterns, kind of more control frame. So when I came to Tennis Warehouse, uh, one of the first rackets I play tested was K-Blade 98 
um, which was stiffer, gave me a little more power, a little more forgiveness. And then I just customized it up and it had like a 340 swim weight and about 12 ounces. Um, so kind of close to my same spec, but just more power, more forgiveness compared to that Dunlop. And then from there, uh, tried the Dunlop like 300 infill or one of those 300 get a little bit more power spin and then um, ended up just reverting back to the, the 6195 once I tested that. I knew that was like uh, a good feeling frame and kind of the home for me for a while. And uh, that's what I played with for, for a couple generations. And then when they discontinued that, uh, I wish I was just looking for something as close as possible as far as the weight and the swing weight and the flex. Uh, the V-Core Pro 97-330 was almost identical. The only difference was a slightly bigger head and the more open string pattern. And uh, it took me probably like a good few months to get used to that 1619 pattern. At first, I just thought I, it was just kind of hard to, to really dial in because I was so used to 1820. And then once I switched over to that, pretty much stuck with that for a couple generations. And then eventually into some of the rackets I've been playing now, like the E-Zone Extended. But it's funny now because once I got used to the 1619, the more spin and the angle, then I would go back and hit 1820s and I'd be like, oh man, this feels weird. So it, it really just goes to show it's, it's kind of what you get used to and your, your muscle memory and your timing and all that. Yeah. I think, I think that that's very important. Like you, you, people don't realize how much muscle memory, for example, a pro has who has been using the same frame for, for ages, such a big shift for them to take up another racket. And I, I do know, notice like when i hit with players who are maybe used to testing a little bit the, no matter the level like for example the guy in andre in the bubble video uh, he plays he plays on futures he's a good player he's only 22 23 years old uh so he has uh you know he's gonna compete more but he's used to testing rackets so for him he can like quickly like okay uh, this gives me this this gives me that then i can play with someone else who's never tested rackets or used to play ATP or used to not play ATP, whatever. But then they feel like, wow, I can't, what is this? This is strange. You know, I, they, they, they don't really enjoy it even, you know? So it's, it's completely different depending on how you used you are to adjusting uh, your setup, you know, but generally I think also for me, I notice that I tend to have this spec range, you know, it's like, I like this kind of three forty five gram headlight, five, six points headlight, 330 swing weight this is kind of where i always end up in some way or other you know if i want to play my best tennis at least yeah and that's another thing too well like i've been hitting the rough origin a lot lately and uh the more i hit with it the more i like it but at the same time i'm almost a little hesitant because i know when i go back and test all the other rackets i i already had a, a reputation of like telling everybody that I wanted to add weight to rackets or add a leather grip to rackets. But the more I hit with the Rafa, the more I'm going to be like, Oh, the swing weight's way too low. I need to add 30 points to the swing weight yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know, it just makes you get more used to that heavy spec. So, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought when you, when you switch to the extended, because since you have to test so regularly, it must be tougher than because the most rackets who are released are standard length. So you, now you have to adjust down in length a bit, right? Every time. Yeah. Um, but once I got used to the 27 and a half, I haven't really played or committed to any racket, like in a 28 inch, you know, like there was like that Prince long body, but, uh, 27 and a half, I, I seem to do okay. And I can go back and play standard length just fine. I've seemed to got pretty, pretty used to that half inch adaptation. 
All right, that's good. Yeah, it's, it's not so crazy. I, I can do it as well. Like I have two Pure Drive 98. One is 27.5, one is 27. And I can just go in between them. Like, I mean, I do feel the difference because that's such a powerful racket and the extra length makes it a, like a rocket launcher. But it, it, it's not that hard once you get used to just adjusting to that extra. And you can always like choke up a little bit more on your grip. So it makes it a little bit easier to swing. Yeah. But another example of that was like back when uh, Wilson was doing the spin effect way back, yeah. back with the steam and the, the burn and uh, a couple of play testers like Jason was using the, the 99S and I think Chris was using the 6195S and Mark Boone was using the pro staff. So they, they all were trying these patterns, but that was one thing that kind of got in their head after a while was getting used to that crazy launch angle and that really open pattern and then going back to testing the traditional string patterns, it really kind of was throwing them off a little bit. So there is, there is some, some thought to that where you don't want to go too far away because in the end we're racket testers and we got to do our job as best as we can. <laughs> no, no, same for me. Like if I know it's like, if I have a crazy spec, and then I get a, like a batch of rackets to test. I, it's obviously going to be tougher for me. Like if I play with the Origin, for example, I won't do that. But I, I would feel like, oh no, this racket, this, this they're all light. <laughs> they're all very light, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's like in your head at least. So then it's like the adjustment becomes huge. But if I play with something very much in the middle, like a radical MP, uh, then it's like okay, I can go to a Solinco, to a Pure Aero. It doesn't matter because I'm kind of in the middle of everything anyway. So it's an easier transition. And it seems to work pretty well for me. But uh, yeah, that's a good, it's a fair point, I think. Yeah. So you went like from K factor, then you played with the V core. Um, that was a heavy bat, like the the three thirty gram V cores. I remember. I I did actually really like the the new um, HD they had. No, not the HD. The D the H the H the heavy one ninety seven H when they released that one because that that was like felt like a tank. It had like three forty seven swing weight when I strung it up with Polytor Pro. I just loved how heavy that ball was. You know, it's just like brilliant racket, uh, but tough in the long run when you play matches and stuff on clay. But the overall, just a beautiful when you hit the ball. Yeah. So after that, you went to uh, so the so the Eason extended you've been with for a few years at least. Then. Yeah, I switched over to it at the end of. Uh, it's probably been like since about close to like 2020 because it was like at the end of the cycle of the 2018 version and then used the 2020 version and now i have the 2022 or whatever the current e-zone 98 plus which is kind of like i said my baseline racket but lately i've been hitting a lot of other stuff uh, i really like that I, I could probably easily switch to that new Salinko extended 1820 that's a that's a really easy racket for me to use um i really like the v core 95 with some customization that's a that's a great frame to play with and even the tf40 is pretty uh pretty natural for, natural for me to play with the only thing i don't love about it is a slight uh, different grip shape but uh, those are all three rackets that i could probably pick up and just be just be just happy with even the radical pro with a little bit of tweaks yeah exactly do you feel like it's tough to go back to your uh, regular frame when you've been testing so much like you're a heavy testing period for example um there are times yeah there's definitely some times where I'm like i go back to the zone and i'm like man like you know, it just feels like the feels a little bit off at first, but usually after like a warm up or like a set of doubles or something, then I, I start getting dialed in and I'm like, okay, this is why I play. This is why this is a good home base for me, just because it's easy power. It has a good blend of touch and feel. 
Um, it's not too low powered like some of the really thin beam, lower powered rackets, but for being a little thicker beamed. And, it, and the one thing I'd say I probably don't love about it is it is a little muted in the feel for me. Like I do like a little bit more of a traditional feel, but even though it's muted, I can like really just slap, like go big and just swing big and the ball still stays in. So even though it is muted, I don't feel like it's unpredictable. So yeah. um, it, it, it ends up working out pretty good for me most of the time. One thing I, I forgot, the shoes, right? So what shoes have you been using? You're testing a lot of shoes as well, which I do too now. And I find testing shoes makes sometimes... It's more difficult because like I, I'm, you know, my foot is one way, I move in one way and then like one shoe doesn't really work for me because of my knee problem or whatever. And then one shoe works great. Uh, so I'm trying to understand more about the shoes. Um, so what shoes are you using and, and uh, have you always been with the same type of shoe or are you kind of mix and matching a lot? I've uh, been testing a lot of new stuff lately. Um, that's one of my one of my main jobs here at Tennis Warehouse is I do the, the descriptions on the website for, for men's uh, footwear. Um, so I've been testing a lot of new stuff, uh, probably the top four off the top of my head, Vapor 11, Gel Resolution 9, Cord FF3, and uh, Adidas Cybersonic. Those were all like big, big hitters for the beginning of this year or going, going through 2023. So I actually really liked them all. If I had to rate them in order, um, man, that's tough. Been playing the, the Novak shoe a lot lately because it's pretty comfortable, pretty breathable good cushioning the gel resolution nines always trusty and stable but not quite as comfortable as the cord ff3 really surprised by the vapor 11 that's kind of one shoe that i can just put on and not think about and it's uh more stable than your typical vapor and then uh, i really was surprised with the cybersonic i loved how that shoe really like hugged my foot or like um stuck to my foot like a glove I wish it had a little bit more cushioning under the bottom, like in the midsole, but it is more of a speedy, lightweight design. So I get it. But uh, those are all great shoes. Lots of lots of good shoes lately. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I know it's a, it's a area that it's, it's also like the quality seems to have increased quite a bit. And uh, I, I, I played today on clay and I, I, I use the Vapor 11 now a lot and I, I really like those. And I feel like they're they're like more supportive than previous vapors, so uh, I think they're great. I would love to try the um, the new Adidas shoes are also good. I would love to try the 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 Asics, the the new FF and the new Gel Rest. That, that would be on my list of shoes I would like to try because now I done yeah. the Nike, Nike. So that that's cool. Um, but yeah, lots of good shoes. But it, it needs to fit like also to people who are listening. Like it it really needs to work with your foot. So I, I think your descriptions are very good. Like is this fitting like a narrow fit or a you know it gives a little bit of of an idea because you can't demo shoes unless you're in an sh- actual store you know so you, you cannot take one out on the court so that makes it a bit trickier uh to to so you have to kind of read through and, and watch the reviews uh, to do that yeah i would say also too uh just in the last year to uh if you're looking for comfort which is a big thing for me lately uh k-swiss all right troy i think this uh, has been a great talk as always uh we can do more of this in the future when you have time um i mean from the office and so on i would love to visit you guys one day that would be really cool uh, hopefully can make that happen and go out to San Luis Obispo and do like a cool video together. And uh, that would be awesome. But uh, yeah, thanks for your time and uh, for the chat. Uh, always nice to to hear your insights about rackets and strings and your time at TW. So what's your plan for the rest of the day? You're going to hit some tennis balls. Yeah, hopefully get on court for a little bit, maybe do uh, a little cross court rallies and maybe a little, little dubs or something like that today. And then uh, 
we got some uh, play test videos coming up this week. We got to do some some video review for some shoes and stuff. Can't tell you which one. So if you guys are listening out there, stay tuned. Come check us out. Our Tennis Warehouse YouTube channel as well as well as a Tennis Nerds YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Jonas. And uh, anytime in the future you want to sit down and talk for a while, and uh, it'd be great. And hopefully, yeah, one day you can come out here. And we can hang out, hit some balls, maybe have a pint, have a coffee, you know, whatever, man. Yeah, pint sounds good at this time. And you have a nice day now, and uh, we keep in touch. Talk soon, I guess. All right. All right, Jonas. Good seeing you, man. Good hearing from you. Same, man. Take care. Say hi to everyone I know. Take care. All right. I will. See you. See you, man. Ciao, ciao.